Well, good to be with you this morning. And we are, uh, well, we're well into our core values. And uh, just a reminder, if you've missed any, we've been looking at what it means to belong to God. We've been looking at what it means to be full of joy. How are you this morning? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Need a top up for the sounds of it. Yeah, okay. Being full of joy. You remember that one? Yeah, okay. The need to honor one another, to be honoring of each other, to be a people who are authentic, encountering God's presence. Have you met him recently? Yeah, one or two nods maybe, yeah. Well, the opportunity is there, encountering God's presence. Generosity, I believe Barley was speaking about last week and this morning, we're talking about being a people of courageous faith, which in some sense is a little bit strange because faith in many ways is courageous by its very nature because it takes us beyond ourselves. And it causes us to step out of who we are and what we know about ourselves and trust God, etc. So we're looking at what it means to be a people of courageous faith. If you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn to it, we're going to read just briefly 2 Timothy and chapter 1 and uh, uh, through to verse 7. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. I, I love Timothy. I identify with Timothy. And... Um, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I wonder this morning before we go any further, do you need to receive that kind of blessing right now? Grace. Just receive that. Grace. Mercy. Peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe the enemy has been beating you up and you just need to hear those words. Just need to hear those words because he's been crowding out the voice of God and here you are gathered in his presence with his people. And here we have this greeting. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Mercy. Peace from God the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, thank you that that's who you are. God, you are so amazingly good. Day by day, you display your grace, your mercy, and your peace to us through Jesus Christ. We receive that. We receive that right now as we hear these words. And so he says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now I'm convinced is in you also. Let me ask you, do you have that faith? Do you know him? Maybe you've got parents, men and women of faith, but you've never encountered him yet. You've never put your trust in him. You can do that this morning. You can do it right now, even as I'm sharing in the word. You can be responding to him and saying, God, yes, I need you. Jesus, I need you to save me. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Yeah, thank God. If you've got godly parents... I hope you thank God for them. If you've had godly parents, I hope you thank God for them. 
and all that they have sown into your life. Honor their memory. Honor them if they're alive. Thank God for them. And now I'm convinced it's in you also. And therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind or sound judgment. Timothy was retreating into himself. His faith was no longer courageous. He was retreating into himself. Paul was in prison because of preaching the gospel. And Timothy feared that that's where he would end up if he continued to preach Jesus. And so he withdraws into himself and he begins to say, well, maybe there's a way of just accommodating things here, you know, just sort of just, just flattening it for a little while till the pressure's off. And Paul writes to him, I remind you to, to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. So we're called to be a people of courageous faith. Do you know, we were made for faith. We believe in one way or another Everyone, even those who don't have, who would say they don't have faith, would have, in fact, some kind of faith in one way or another. The question is, where is that faith placed? We were made for faith. We were made for courageous faith, for ground-taking faith, for bold and dynamic faith. And I love the book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 11. And I would just commend you to go away and read that later on the heroes of the faith, men and women who, who stepped out of them, outside of themselves and their limitations into God and his extraordinary uh, purposes and discovered that God was true and well able to fulfill his promises. Though, of course, it says it, that there were those who did not receive the promises, and it doesn't doubt their faith for one moment, but says that, they were, that their faith was something that stood out, and the, worthy, the world was not worthy of them. And it's a tremendous book, and I, I love reading biographies of men and women of God, and I could name a few of them for you, and uh, perhaps one that's most relevant at this moment in time, for those of you who are aware of what's going on in, in, in the United States, in, in Asbury, uh, this, this revival that is taking place, and, and it's been going on for now 10 days, 11 days, I believe, and, and, and just young people, people from different generations coming and encountering God, and, and this service that has been going on that started in, in a really kind of very low-key way, but the response has people encountered God, and it has continued to grow, and people have been sharing testimony, praying. There's been no big band. There's been singing. There's been exhortation, et cetera, et cetera. An amazing movement that's been going on and spilling out into other places as well. If you read the history of the man who founded that particular university, Francis Hasbury, he was only 26 when he was sent by John Wesley to evangelize the American colonists. 
and he became the leader of the, the Second Great Awakening. And it's estimated that he traveled, and I find this staggering. I don't even do this in my car. He traveled 270,000 miles on horseback, preaching and planting churches in the United States. I mean, that is phenomenal, isn't it? But this is what he wrote. He said, we must reach every section of America, especially the raw frontiers. We must not be afraid of men, devils, wild animals, or disease. Our motto must always be forward. And like a modern Joshua, Asbury possessed the land. And in spite of his frequent ailments, he died at the age of 70. And at his funeral, there were more than 20,000 people followed his coffin. And circuit riding in those days wasn't glamorous. When we think of horse riding today, it's quite a glamorous thing, isn't it, to go out and ride a horse? But it wasn't glamorous in, in those days. Circuit riding certainly wasn't. And up to 1847, more than half of Methodist circuit riders died before the age of 30 because of animal attacks, exposure to bad weather, and the hardships of travel. They were men and women of courageous faith. Men and women who got a vision of God, men and women who heard something from God, men and women who responded to God and went out and did exploits in his name. Phenomenal, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal. And so I, I would commend to you, go and read up on some of those great men and women of God down through the ages who who've known God and done extraordinary things in his name and be inspired by them when it comes to this aspect of courageous faith. But what is faith? What actually is it? Hebrews 11 verse 1, that faith is the substance or the reality of things hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. There's, you see, there's a, a concreteness to faith, that uh, concreteness to it that undergirds, that gives hope, and that drives us forward. There's a momentum to it. It's kind of like a knowing in your Noah, you know, if you know what I mean by that. That's kind of knowing in your Noah that you have encountered God, you have heard from God, you've had a revelation, and you've got it in here, and you're going forward on it. It involves a measure of understanding. It involves assent. It involves trust. Understanding who God is and what his purposes are. It involves an assent to him and his purposes. It involves a trust in him as you step out in obedience day by day to see his kingdom come in greater measure. Twenty times in Hebrews 11, we read, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we need to hear that because we live in a world that very often lives by its feelings. Oh, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like praying for that person. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. We're called to be men and women of courageous faith. And so I would exhort you to, to go away and read that chapter and let God speak to you afresh and challenge you. And even I'm sharing this morning to be challenged as to where you are at in your faith. As it flatlined, as it were. You know, you've got a faith, but it's flatlined. There's, there's no energy to it. There's no dynamic to it. Faith comes through the word of God. It says in Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes through the word or the message about Christ. 
If you want to grow in faith, you need to get into the Word of God. There is no faith outside of that. You need to get into God's Word. You need to absorb it. You need to let it get right into your system so you feel it and you get its power. You need to look at Jesus. God has revealed himself in his word. He's revealed himself in a person. And Jesus is the one who will inspire us in every sense of the word. So the the writer to the Hebrews, having spoken of all those people who by faith did this, that, and the other, said to them in the midst of all all this great crowd of witnesses, look away unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is keeping our eyes on him, and boy, doesn't the devil like to get our eyes off Jesus. You know, he he will get our eyes off Jesus and onto somebody else, looking at them and how well they're doing, and we feel all miserable about ourselves. You know, or he, he he just turns us in anyway. You know, the ups and downs of life, the difficulties, the challenges, and so on, and we, we get into that, that kind of, uh, you, you know, misery mode. Well, maybe you don't. But, you know, where you, you start feeling bad about yourself. The enemy wants to get our eyes off Jesus because he will inspire us day by day to keep going, to go further than we have gone before. If you want to grow in faith, you need to get into the Word. You need to know Jesus better. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the life of faith holds out different possibilities. It's a life of ever-increasing faith from faith to faith. And that will, so it will be different for each one of us. And, and there's one big danger of reading stories, thinking, I've got to be like that person. How many of you have read about David Wilkerson, know the story of David Wilkerson? There's a few of us. I commend us to get to know the story. How many of you know about Jackie Pullinger? A few more, yeah. Get to know some of these stories. Read them. Let them inspire you. But at the end of the day, you are neither David Wilkerson nor Jackie Pullinger or anybody else. You are who you are. You are where God wants you to be if you're obeying him. Yeah? And that was one of my mistakes as a young person, looking at reading stories and then comparing myself to them. Thank God for Billy Graham, but there's only a few Billy Grahams in the world, isn't there? Well, there's only one. There may be others with similar giftings. So we're all called and anointed in some way, and it's knowing how God has made himself known to us. It's knowing how God has spoken into our lives. It's knowing how he is calling us and, and how we are to serve him. So the life of faith takes, uh, has, holds out different possibilities uh, for each one of us. There are some amazing people out there, and I could reference a whole lot of others, but we don't have the time. Faith, too, will be contested. Anybody know that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Faith, too, will be contested. Someone's coming to know Jesus, and the enemy will be contesting it right up to the day they make the decision. They come to know Jesus, and the next thing is that they, they know that they need to be baptized, and praise God, someone's going to be baptized today. I believe it's Connor. I don't know whether he's in the room, but praise God, and there are one or two others who, who want to be baptized as well. And that will be at a later date. They're not here today. 
But praise God for those steps of faith. But how the enemy contests that one and says, oh, well, you're not a good enough Christian yet. You need, you need to, you know, just work this thing out a bit more. And are you really sure of what you're doing and all the rest of it? And what about the water? You'll get wet. You might even get it in your ears and all the rest of it. And, and anything to, con- you know, this contest of the faith. It may be with regard to the things of the Holy Spirit. It says, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you been filled with the Spirit? It is so important to encounter the Holy Spirit, to know his fullness in our hearts and lives. But how the enemy will contest that, oh, oh dear, you, you, don't want to, you don't want that to happen to you. You might do something that you, you know, you might speak in tongues, you might... You know, dance. Oh, my goodness. You know, you, you might be so filled with joy. You know, the Spirit comes in different ways to different people. But how the enemy can put people off because he knows the power of the blessing of God. Doesn't he? Yeah? And he seeks to rob us of courageous faith. And each one of those steps is a step of courageous faith. To believe in Jesus Christ is going against everything that the world says. Why would you believe in him? Why would you commit yourself to him? What difference is it going to make to your, to your life? A guy who lived 2,000 years ago. It's a courageous step of faith to come to Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him this morning, I, wonder, I just want to exhort you. It's, it's worth every bit of the step of the journey. Do you know him? Is he your saviour? Are there fears that are holding you back from making that commitment, saying, yes, I I need you, Jesus, as my saviour? Holding you back from taking that step of saying, yeah, I'm going to be baptised. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Faith will be contested by the unbelieving, by the devil, And Paul wrote to Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith. It doesn't matter how old you are in the Christian life. Faith will be contested. Things will happen that will seek to undermine your faith. The devil will seek to undermine it. That's why Paul had to write to Timothy and say, come on, you've got to fight a good fight here. And it's a good fight of your faith, not of your feelings. Does that resonate with anybody? Yeah. There was a time when I, 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 I kind of lived in denial of my feelings. I lived that kind of Christian life said that just said, believe it and take it and go for it. And then I hit a period of my life where I realized that feelings were important. And if I continued to live in this vein, um, I was going to mess my life up as well as others as well. And I needed to come to terms with what was going on inside of me. But I realized in working all of this stuff through that that there, there, there is a very real danger. You can be so absorbed with your feelings that your feelings become the governing factor for life. And we live more by our feelings. We are in a feeling oriented generation and we live by those feelings and it's a dangerous thing. Thank God for them. God gave us feelings. But they're not to control our responses to life. It is the word of God. So someone here this morning who just needs to hear that. 
Brother, sister, fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold of the eternal life which God has given you in Christ. Lay hold of it. There's an intentionality to that, isn't there? So courageous faith, we come to courageous faith. Courageous faith believes God in, in spite of and against all the odds. So it's, it's kind of a strange picture in, a way, in many ways, but I'd often commented about uh, you know, looking up at the sky and seeing gliders just soaring through the air, you know, just kind of like how it just looks so peaceful and wonderful. You have to be careful what you say. I don't know whether you found this out, because then one day I was suddenly, I was one of those big birthdays, and suddenly I found out I've got a, a gliding ticket. You know, I, I, I got a go in a glider. And I can remember opening up this, you know, this, this envelope and seeing this gliding ticket. On the one hand, I needed to be glad for those who'd just given it to me. But inside, inside, there was an entirely different response going on. And it's one like, oh my goodness. I never said I wanted to go in a glider, you know, and, and now I'm committed to going in this glider, to this, this flight. And I remember going up to Charing and, um, and looking at this, this, this very flimsy thing sitting on the grass, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, is that all it is, you know? And looking at the cockpit, and it's like you can just get two people in, and it's all like round you like this kind of thing. And then they gave me a parachute to put on, and I thought oh, nobody told me I'd need a parachute. And, and it, was, it looked like a really flimsy parachute as well, and it was like just buckle it round you, and yeah, you know, if you need it, well, it's there, isn't it? And, and I, oh my goodness. And, and then and it was one of those ones where you're attached to an aeroplane, and and. Okay, these are little steps of faith, but there's a, a lot of fear going on all the while this is taking place. And, and as uh, we, we're hooked up to this aeroplane, and, and I've got the, the, the lady behind me who, who knows what to do. Praise God, somebody knows what to do, you know. And, and so you, you, we get towed up in this, in this glider, and, and, and the experience of going across this bumpy field, and then eventually feeling something happening. Oh, you know. This is good, isn't it? This doesn't feel too bad. And, and, and suddenly we were up in the sky, and, and, and it, it felt good, and everything seemed good. And then I heard clunk. Uh, oh, my goodness. You know, that, that's the cable just gone, isn't it? You know, they've just released it. And now the plane's just, you know, bearing off in whatever direction it went, and we're up here on our own. <laughs> and, and that kind of... You know, fear, and then just trying to get your senses and just coming back, okay? Yeah, we are airborne. I, we're not plummeting to the ground immediately, <laughs> etc. And I've got a pilot behind me. She no, knows what she's doing. But those, those aspects of fear that, uh, as each step was overcome, gradually melted away. And I began to enjoy it. And it was such a beautiful day. And the, the, just riding over Kent and what you could see and so on. And, uh, and it was great. And she let me have a go at the controls at one point as well. You know, so another aspect of faith, you know, can I, can I do this, etc. Um, but how faith, you know, fears can grip us. Fear could have gripped me and said at that moment in time, I can't do this. I cannot do this. You know, I, yeah, I may have said, looks good, but I, and I'm happy for them to, to fly gliders up there, but don't put me in one. But I had to overcome that fear. 
had to you know, tr put trust in the pilot, had to put trust in the mechanics of a glider and how all the principles work, etc., etc. But, yeah, so courageous faith believes God in spite of and against all the odds. It believes that God is sovereign, is bigger, is better than everything that life and the enemy might throw at it. That he is worthy of all our trust. That he is indeed a good God. Hallelujah. Courageous faith then can operate at all sorts of levels from coming to Christ, to being baptized, praying for somebody, giving a prophetic word, etc., confessing a besetting sin, seeking help, witnessing to a colleague or a neighbor, to going for and accepting a promotion, to talking to somebody for the first time. So faith can operate at a whole load of levels. And the reality is we, we grow in faith. But what, what robs us, so very briefly, what robs us of faith? Number one, materialism. A preoccupation with money and possessions as the most important thing in life. It leads to that kind of idea that I don't really need God. I've got it all covered. Another one is cynicism. And I think this is something that the English particularly are prone to. We are prone to cynicism. Doubts and motives and actions of others. It, in, in all honesty, it is self-protecting and preserving. And then there are difficulties and disappointments. Maybe we get overwhelmed by circumstances. I think of the letter to James, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And James, in writing to the, the dispersed people of God loves them and is very concerned for them because they have flatlined in their faith, because of the increase in persecution, because life has not turned out as they thought it was going to be, that even the, the, the mission of the gospel is not manifested in its way that they thought it would. Suddenly they, they are withdrawing into a private faith, a personal spirituality. And James lovingly writes to them and exhorts them to give fuel to their faith. Not for one moment does he say, you haven't got it, and I could do a whole 20 minutes or so on, on chapter 2 and, and the insertion of the word such in do they have such faith, can such faith save them. The word is added by interpreters, it shouldn't be there. Can faith like this save them? Can it make any difference for these lives? In other words, if your faith is not in operation, it's there. If it's not in operation, it's not going to make any difference to anybody. And so he calls them up to a life of faith. So difficulties and disappointments can overwhelm us and, and cause us to retreat into ourselves, a private, personal spirituality, where our faith is no longer lived out before an unbelieving world. Well, maybe we see the giants rather than the promises and power of God. You remember how God had called his people into the promised land and they, they sent the party out to check things out and see what was going on and, and uh, they came back, they gave their report and, and, and ten or two of them said, it's really good. Yeah, God has given us this land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But ten of them said, oh my goodness me, we went into the land. Yes, there are promises related to it. But the giants, they are so big. They are so big. And so they saw the giants rather than 
the promises and the power of God. There's so much more. There's passivity, that failure to act, that just passive spirit, which is a dangerous thing for the people of God. And then lastly, there's fear. And I love this as an acrostic, false evidence appearing real. Hmm. False evidence appearing real. Goodness, how many times has that one happened to you? Oh, I don't do that because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Then tomorrow turns up and it wasn't like you feared anyway. I need to draw to a close. And perhaps as I do so, the band could come up and um, make themselves ready. What's, what's the answer when you are in that situation where you've been robbed of courageous faith? Maybe, maybe that's you this morning. You can look back on your history and you know a better day, you knew a better day. A day when perhaps you were more bold, more outgoing, but life has got the better of you. Let me just say, God is not judging you this morning. He's calling you up. So we said right at the beginning, grace and mercy. He's calling you up. Calling you up. 